Welcome back, everyone, to the State of Things podcast, where we talk about the state of things here at the Iowa State campus. With me, as always, is the 69th president of the Iowa State University student body, Jacob C. Ludwig. And with me, as always, is the best vice president this campus has ever had, Jaden H. Ulrich. How you doing, Jaden? I am doing just fine. It's the first day where the temperature has like consistently gotten below freezing. And being a fifth generation Iowan, I've made a big mistake this season where I don't have a coat yet. My last coat, it just was really old. And so I'm in the market for a new one. But Jacob, how are you? I am, you know, I'm tired. It's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a political science student. And so it, the election is this week. Uh, and so I've been staying up late every night uh, watching uh, the, the results pour in or as, as it's turned out trickle in uh, from a number of states that cannot count their ballots any faster for whatever reason. Uh, so yeah, I mean this is, you know, I'm not into sports. Uh, <laughs> as, as you know, you look at me, it's, not, it's pretty obvious. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I don't do football, I don't do baseball. This is, this is my Super Bowl. Um, and so uh, it's been very interesting to watch, uh, and I have not slept much this week. Uh, so, and yeah, I, I don't really know where to go, <laughs> go from there other than just the, the results are, are too slow. Uh, it seems that uh, we don't know who, uh, you know, what's happening in Congress. The, as of the recording, there is no determined winner, um, which is uh, interesting and a little frustrating for those who, you know, maybe would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like you said, this is your Super Bowl. It comes once every two years for you. And so I spend a lot of time with Jacob and majority of these past few days has been him with the New York Times pulled up on his phone, watching all the elections pour in. Our TV has had news channels flipping back and forth between him to see who's got the first results and all the different predictions. And so yeah. you have been a very busy man. Yeah. And you actually worked the polls this year. I did. I was over in Precinct 20 here in Ames um, at the Union Drive Community Center. Um, the biggest population there is just those um, Union Drive uh, residence halls. And so we had 297 students come out and vote, which was super exciting to have uh, just that, especially, you know, freshmen living in those residence halls mm -hmm. coming out to vote and primarily for the first time. We had so many first time voters. And so it was great to see Iowa State students partaking in civic engagement. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, student government has been up to a lot since, you know, our, our last podcast, even though I think recording time wise, it's only been about a week between recordings. Um, but yeah, we were just at uh, the Board of Regents meeting. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Jacob, uh, I, and then our Chief of Staff, Emily Roberts, we woke up at 5 a.m. to drive out all the way over to Council Bluffs, Iowa, uh, where the Board of Regents meeting was at the Iowa School for the Deaf and Blind. It was a great conversation for our student breakfast with the um, Regents, with our other Regent partners, Iowa and UNI. The kind of the big theme of this conversation was public safety on campus, and so I know a lot of the different conversations that were brought up um, was lighting on campus. Iowa State's doing um, a pretty decent job. I mean, there's always room for improvement, but it sounds like from our other regions, uh, universities, that lighting's kind of a bigger problem. I know a few years ago, 
uh, student government actually funded a few solar lights um, for campus, which is, you know, we're getting the sustainability, we're getting the public safety aspect in there. Um, but was there anything else you wanted to touch on from that meeting? Yeah, you know, I think it was just uh, a really good conversation. You know, we obviously talked about lighting. We talked about cameras as well, um, which was really important. You know, uh, you know, here at Iowa State, we don't necessarily have a lot of cameras on our campus. And, you know, other uh, the other two schools, there you know, questions about, you know, were there additional areas that we could put cameras uh, just so that, you know, to help the police in terms of just observing multiple parts of campus, but also um, just you know, kind of adding that little bit of uh, security where, you know, people might see uh, there are cameras in this area and might think twice about doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and so that was really valuable. And I think it was just really good to give the, the Board of Regents uh, some student perspective that they might not otherwise get, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's on anyone in the university administration. It's just they're not students. So when, you know, the Department of Public Safety is from the three schools come in, uh, they might not necessarily know how students are feeling. And so that's really, like, what we were trying to give the board was that perspective of you know, how are we feeling, you know, with crime reporting being up at the three different schools, uh, how can, how are students feeling, how can we do more to make them feel safe and actually make them safe. So. Yeah, that was one of our final questions during our breakfast was, are these concerns something that you've heard about before? And they said no. And so it was, you know, last meeting being the uh, having the amendment for the million dollars um, for mental health between the three regent universities was a big success. This one bringing concerns of the student bodies that haven't been heard before to the Board of Regents was a huge success. And so I think we're, we're having a pretty good track record for our Board of Regent meetings this year, uh, which is really exciting. But I know another meeting you just went to was the community conversations put on by the city of Ames. Want to talk about that? Yeah. So the city of Ames, you know, this year and kind of through parts of next year are, you know, running these community conversations on mental health. Um, and so the last one that we just had was on resources in the community. And uh, so we had presenters from Iowa State, uh, Mary Greeley, uh, Ames PD, ISU PD, and a couple other agencies throughout the kind of Ames and Story County area come in and present on, uh, you know, the resources that they provide, how you can get in touch with them, um, and the challenges that we're seeing. You know, I know the Ames Public High School's associate pres uh, principal was there, and she talked about, you know, the increased demand for mental health resources and how students are struggling in her school and the things that they're trying out. Uh, Brian Vander Hayden, who we had on the pod last time, and Aaron Baldwin. Uh, uh, represented Iowa State there and talked about the awesome resources that we have on campus and some of the challenges that we're seeing. And so I think, you know, uh, the really cool thing was there's all these resources out in the community. Uh, it seems like there's a lot for students and Ames residents to lean on, but uh, kind of at the end of the, the meeting after everyone had presented and all the questions and conversations had kind of ended, we, you know, I was talking with the mayor and I think one of the things that the conclusions we kind of came to was there's just so many resources that it's almost it's almost like too much at times um, you know and that's it's important that we have all these resources because you know you need different resources for different problems whether it's substance abuse crisis intervention or just you know general therapy uh, so like you need different things for different problems right but then it makes it really difficult for people to navigate those resources and find the thing that they that might help them uh, and so you know kind of the conversation we're having right now, is there is there a way we can kind of aggregate those resources into like one information point that uh, people can go to? I know Iowa State has kind of a student support page. 
uh, aims is setting up a kind of mental health a mental health page that will like sort out all the different resources that the city and the county offers, um, and we're kind of you know maybe looking at mer uh, creating another kind of resource that merges those two things, so you get your university, your city, and your kind of county resources all in one place. And so, how can we make it uh, a one-stop shop where people will say, well, you know, I'm in need of crisis intervention. And then there's a tab with the phone numbers or the pages you can go to to get access to those resources. And so that was a really big thing that came out of there. Uh, and, you know, there was a good number of people there. Uh, you know, I think about 20 or 30 people total, you know, had some students there, had some main residents there, people from the different agencies trying to learn about each other's resources. And so really excited about uh, the future community conversations coming up. The next one is going to be in late January. Uh, and they actually specifically did that so that Iowa State students will be back on campus in time for it um, because they know that ISU students are half the Ames population and they want to make sure that we're included in this conversation uh, because if we're going to have, you know, uh, if we're going to talk about mental health in the community, we need to talk about mental health in the whole community. And so the Ames, uh, the city of Ames is really keen on having students engage in these conversations. I know that student government's going to work to get even more students at the next one uh, because I think the thing coming out of it for me on top of just the litany of resources and the problem of educating people is just that like a lot of these resources are programs that I had never heard of uh, that you know I think uh, ISU students could potentially lean on. I think something really important that you touched on right there at the end is just that partnership between the city and Iowa State University just because you know Iowa State we're kind of this little island right in the middle of the city and so the fact that we are having these conversations they recognize that you know students aren't going to be here over Christmas break and so they pushed it back and so I think you know just recognizing those different needs of the community because it's not just an Iowa State problem it's a public problem and for the public that's the Ames community for us and so I think it's amazing that we're doing these things so be on the lookout for future community conversations um, we're always looking for more students to be there but I think the conversation we're gonna have today is we have the student government speaker of the Senate and our chief of staff here with us today talking about the inner workings of student government so stay tuned for that conversation after this commercial break Welcome to your commercial break here on the State of Things. I uh, actually don't have a commercial for you guys today. Terribly sorry about that. But we do have a fun segment for y'all. Uh, the producers are out in the booth recording a short segment for you guys. Uh, What's up? Ethan, Ethan uh, I don't think anyone's actually like seen you on the podcast yeah, yet. So welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Uh, this is so much fun. I love doing this. I love being in this. my second episode, I think, working yeah. with you guys. So yeah. I'm excited. Ethan is our uh, technical director. He set up the soundboard, the cameras, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming and helping us out. We definitely need it. Of course, course yes. And Maddie, good to see you as always. Oh, thank you. I love sitting in the, in the booth and listening to everything going on. It's just really entertaining. It is very entertaining. Yep. It's, we, get, we, all, we get a lot of good laughs out of it. Oh, yeah, and then some. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, topic for today, things to do in Ames during winter time. It's getting really cold out, right? And, you know, this snow is going to start coming in pretty soon and stuff. But despite people just want to stay inside at home and not go to their classes, there's a lot of fun things that we can actually do around in Ames during the winter time. Oh, 100%. Um, I, there's, this is my second year here in Ames, and I already, even last year, plenty of things to do in Ames, whether that was 
my biggest favorite thing was to do go Central Campus snow forts. Oh, oh my god! We had a big one last year. Oh, that was amazing. That was one of my favorite things to do. I would say. As long as the snow was like the right consistency, though, it's been powdery so often, and it just like it's ruined so many things. I remember though, I tried to host like a snowball fight on Yik Yak once, but it it didn't. Snowball fight on Yik Yak. You know, you just pop in there like, hey, Central Campus, 9 p.m. And then people are like, oh, dope. That was like back when Yik Yak was a big thing. How big of a turnout did you get? I don't know, because I chickened out and didn't go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know if anybody actually should advertise it out. Everybody else showed up, but then Maddie is like, nah. Not for me. I'm director of marketing, not director of outcome, okay? Ooh. I'll get the word out. But okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh, all right, all right. All right. Um, going snowball along. fight on campus. I like that. Snowball like fights on campus. Going with kind of outside. There's an ice rink in Des Moines. There is, yes. Brenton Skating Plaza. Uh, I go there with my friends every year. It's really fun. I think it's like around 15 bucks every time you go if you've got to rent your skates. And then, I don't know, I don't know if they do it every year, and after COVID, they might have stopped, but they serve the most fantastic hot chocolate when it's really cold. And it's like, it's an outdoor skating plaza, mm-hmm. so if you're not, you know, prepared for the weather, having, and I don't know, they do snacks too and everything like that, but yeah, it's really fun. It's a good rink. Hot chocolate is definitely a go-to for me, so I'd probably just go for the hot chocolate alone. Yeah. I'm not a great skater, but hot chocolate, hot, you got me there. Hot chocolate, that's one of my fall-time drinks. Hot chocolate and like apple cider, warm apple Ooh. cider. Ooh, oh, so warm good. Warm apple cider. Uh, I could go. I, I really want some of that now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dining. A lot of their dining locations, caramel apple cider. True. So True. Good. Use a flex mm. meal. Oh. Get some like cinnamon rolls with it. So good. So good. Um, <laughs> another thing I was bring, gonna bring up. Uh, it is sometimes nice to stay inside. Yeah, have no, some friends is, over, watch a movie, get some popcorn, make some hot chocolate, apple cider, whatever you're feeling. Just watch some movies. Just get that social. I know that it's hard during winter to kind of get social and stuff like that, but just invite friends over for a movie night once in a while. I feel like that's solid. Some yeah, classic yeah. winter movies. I know that my, my roommates and I like to invite people over for, like, board games or movies and stuff. We usually go out and play volleyball uh, when the weather is nice and warm out, mm, when it's mm-hmm. nice enough for that. But when it gets cold, we still want to hang out and do things. But, you know, of course, with it being so cold, we can't really be outdoors and do stuff. So we invite people over for movies or board games or card games or just, just something or another, you know, just, just some, some fun thing that we get to do. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I don't even remember if I was in town last winter or not. So, but, yeah, we just did kind of that. We did a lot of movies, cooked a lot of food. I had a roommate who was a fantastic cook and she just made the most delicious like i'm talking korean hot pot she would make latkes she would do like this delicious spanish rice those were like the comfort meals that we got last winter from her were just off the charts they were so good winter winter time comfort meals hit different oh dude i would i would eat one of like a whole bowl of that and then just pass out for an entire (laughs) evening and then wake up at 3 a.m like the world had suddenly gone into like into a different dimension yeah. you know that when yeah. you like pass out at like 4 p.m 100%. and then you wake up at 2 a.m and you're like oh yeah this is this is where this is happening yeah um you kind of said something about this earlier sports um you said sports in the summertime when it's warmer outside 
Sports in the wintertime are also a thing, too. True. Fire, mm-hmm. uh, lead, state gym all have fantastic facilities to go out and do stuff like that. Like, I know there's volleyball, you can play basketball. I think they have badminton and pickleball courts in yeah. state gym now. Yeah, like, yeah. pickleball, like, I love pickleball. I would love to go to state gym and do some some activities over winter break. And I know that gets that's always good, too, to get that blood pumping up through winter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You ready for that summer body? You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> hey, the, the rock climbing walls at the gyms, mm. those are good. Those are always fun. I'm to do. horrible at rock climbing, but I've been with my friends a few times and it, it's really it's really a good time. For sure. For sure. I know that my friends like to do the intramural basketball season whenever it comes cool. up. Like that's the one like like winter thing ends up coming up. I have never played, but I've coached. I've coached intramural basketball teams. Coach, coaching intramural sports is if not, like, it's more fun to me than playing in the actual intramural sports. I know. Like, I get to dress up, bring a clipboard. I actually, I, I've, got, I've gotten to draw board. plays. We've won games because of, like, last-minute plays that I've drawn up. And it's just been a cool experience to just be, like, you know, like, be able to even just sit on the side. And then, like, I'll call a timeout for the team. I'll bring it over. And they'll be like, all right, this guy is doing this, like, nine times out of ten. You just got to just stop him. Just stop him, and we're going to win this game. And it's interesting. You get a different perspective that, like, most people just wouldn't see when they're out on the court. Yeah. I like coaching. It's fun. <laughs> it's a fun gig. Um, another thing is perfect games. Perfect games is always good. That's over West Ames. Uh, just yeah, off, off of South Dakota. Yeah, right by yep. Morrison Road. Right yep. off of Morrison Road, South Dakota. Yep, yep. Uh, got bowling, laser tag. I yep. think they have some arcade games oh, there. Oh, arcade games. It's, yeah. It's, it's all it's it's go-to. Mm-hmm. go-to. It's a go-to. It's a go-to. Perfect spot. Perfect spot. Perfect games. Perfect games. Perfect games. <laughs> Perfect game. Oh, my God. That was their plan. That was their plan right there. It was. Um, yeah, do you have, I mean, any other things that you, I, I mean. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of things to do. I know I'm missing out on probably a couple big ones, but I those know, are my I'm favorite pretty, things to I'm do. I'm pretty lame in the winter. I'm either <laughs> with my family or at home watching movies. And, I mean, I took classes over last winter, so I was just, you know. <laughs> The grind never stops. Spending time with family is always a good winter pastime, too. I mean, it's always good to be with your family, I would say. Yeah. During winter break, my my family usually doesn't get to see a lot of each other. Um, So summer break and winter break is about the only times we do get to see people. But then, of course, internships and, you know, camps and whatever. Everyone gets really busy. So winter is about, like, the only time you actually get to, like, go see people. So Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Oh, how could I forget? Uh, Reaming Gardens. They do the holiday lights. Right. That's right. So That's cool. right. Yes. They are so cool. I went with my aunt and uncle last year because they came down to Ames to visit. And it was the first time I had gone uh, as a junior at Iowa State. I feel like I should have gone before. But it it's some of the coolest, like, holiday light displays that I've ever seen. And you get to – it's, like, super immersive. You get to walk through the whole thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I really like it. I would really recommend uh, hitting up Reaming when – uh, they do it, I think, every weekend in December. That sounds about I'm pretty right. sure. Yeah. I, I think they're ramping up for it. I, yeah, they should be starting up the first one here in like another couple week weeks or so. Or so. Yeah. I mean, by the time this episode goes out, it'll be soon. But yeah. I was going to say, so I, I'm looking right now, I think that it's a couple of, they have it throughout December, it looks like, but then they, like, right before Christmas, they have two, like, the th- 23rd and the 24th. At least last year, they had some shows. Um, so that way, like, come winter time like holiday time stuff like that that's usually mm-hmm. a good time yeah yeah for sure and then sure. i think the choirs actually also put on um winter mm. winter things 
because yeah, I used to be. I was back in back when I was in choir. They did. Yeah, those are those are hoot and holler. I don't know if they uh, they charge for them or not, but Hilton Coliseum, I think they usually have them in there. Um, and then you can just listen to all the choirs put on uh, the sets of what they've been learning for the year. The last time I went to a choir concert, it was free for ISU students. That checks out. So yeah, I I'm pretty sure. I it mean, might be like, like the choirs. five bucks of admission for non Iowa yeah, for like State, but it's not bad at all. Stuff, but yeah. no, that's that's very cheap mm -hmm. and um, it's gorgeous. I mean, if you like if you like choral music, it yeah, absolutely, it's it's a really good experience. I'd say we got some really talented people uh, singing yeah, at Iowa State. So for sure, shout out to the choir. The shout, shout out, out to, to the, the choirs. choirs. Oh my goodness, they're really out here doing the most. Given mm -hmm. like I miss choir. I was in choir in high school. I miss those performances. So going back especially free to go watch these performances and just hear that, like, I'm just... Oh. Oh, I, I was in Statesman last year, actually. For the, really? Yeah, for the first part of uh, fall semester. Statesman so awesome. I, so love, I love Statesman. Statesman. It's so... The community's great. Everyone in there is just, like, just filled with good people. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you just get to sing, which is yeah. one of my favorite things to do, so... Yeah, I was in amazing. Singers, but I was always jealous of the, uh, the Statesman's sets. I was like, man, I had so much fun. <laughs> Not that I didn't love Singers, but, you know... Yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure sometimes. It is. Well, for sure. Right. For sure. Well, is there anything else we wanted to add in on that? I don't think so. I mean, I, there's yeah, there, I there's plenty of things to do. Uh, don't just Make sit sure at you home. you rest up. Take care yes. of yourself. It's cold. We're all tired. Semester's ending. Stay warm, please. Yeah, bundle up. Like, oh, don't, yeah. be like don't, be like don't be like Jaden. Don't be like Jaden. Don't be like Jaden. Buy a coat. Buy a coat. Get a coat. Please. A warm coat. A, a warm very coat. warm coat. But. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to uh, this uh, short commercial break of sorts. Uh, this has been your producers uh, signing off for now. Hopefully we'll get another segment on another episode Hopefully. soon. Yeah, but we'll I'm going to throw it back over to Jacob and Jaden. And today here on The State of Things, our special guest is none other than the Speaker of our Student Government Senate, Edward Mahoney. He was a recent um, graduate, got his bachelor's degree in computer science, and now is back at Iowa State as a graduate student pursuing his uh, master's degree in computer science. So, Eddie, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Eddie, for uh, listeners who maybe aren't super familiar with student government, can you give us just kind of a quick 60-second rundown of what the Student Senate is? So the Senate is sort of the main representative body for all of the students here on campus. Um, every year, every uh, <clears throat> every student on campus elects at least two, uh, at least one senator from where they live and also what college they're a part of. And those individuals then become senators on our Senate. They vote on issues and are meant to represent you all as students. And we, as Senate, control most of our finances for student government. We make a lot of the major decisions and vote on a lot of the major decisions. And so, like I said, we act as the main representative body so that every student is making sure that their voice is being heard by, you know, the rest of student government, by the administration, and by outside parties and outside individuals. So I think a big thing you touched on there was like the student senate being a representative for the whole student body with all those voices. How is the Senate broken down? Like, what voices are being represented uh, every Wednesday night? Yeah, so Senate is broken up into two different sort of camps. Um, and there's by residency area. So it's, you know, where you live. We have off-campus residence halls, Freddie Court, fraternities and sororities, and um, SUV. 
Uh, and then we also are broken down by college. So there's, you know, your major colleges, there's vet med, and there is uh, the graduate college. And it's basically broken down by population. So for example, College of Engineering has four senators because it's a bigger college, whereas the graduate college only has two senators because it's a little bit smaller. So it's broken down just by how many people are in that college. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, we've got, you know, around 30 senators in right now. Uh, what would you say are some of the big things kind of moving through the Senate? What are our senators working on? So Senate has been working on quite a few different things this year. Um, I think a lot of people are in committees and a lot of committees are getting a lot of stuff done and sort of starting to bring some of that stuff back to Senate. Um, I know our rules committee, which I'm the chair of, we've been like completely rewriting all of our bylaws and all of our Senate rules of order and everything um, to kind of help fix some of the problems that we've identified over the last couple of years, um, set things up for success in the coming years so that everything's just like ready to go, ready to roll, and it's a little bit easier to understand. Um, rules committee, we've also been you know approving more and more nominations and seatings we're almost at full strength i think we're just missing three senators now of our 36 mm -hmm. or 35 so that's awesome um i know our uh pr committee and a lot of our pr senators have been working on a lot you know this podcast being one of them uh we also are working on the uh upcoming at the time of this recording upcoming um dni town hall in collaboration with dni committee there's the uh, outreach week we just did recently. There's been um, just you know, revamping our logo uh, within PR committee. Uh, SI committee has been another exciting one. We've had a lot of new senators joining that. Uh, they just did um, the safety walk. So basically walking around campus and identifying safety issues in collaboration with FPNM. That's something we've done like every year, but it's kind of growing in scope. And so we've been able to cover I think three routes this year and go to some places we haven't gone this year or before like SUV. Um, and I know we've been finding quite a few issues. And so we're really excited to be able to like work with FPNM on that and help make campus a little bit safer. Um, you know, cracks in the sidewalk, burnt out lights, that kind of thing. As well as probably one of my favorite events, one of the ones I'm most excited for and is upcoming soon. I think it's going to be December 1st, if I remember correctly, um, but that's pumpkin smashing. Uh, right on central campus. So if you want to come hit a pumpkin with a baseball bat, because who doesn't want to do that? That just sounds fun. Um, so a lot of the committees are doing sort of a lot of our projects um, and a lot of our initiatives. I know senators are just kind of finding their niche that they identify with and that they want to represent the most and joining that committee to like help push that in sort of a collaborative effort this year. I think there's a, overall a lot more um, committee focus this year and a lot more of that collaboration happening rather than I'm, you know, Eddie Mahoney and I have this specific thing I want to work on and kind of doing it on my own. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think uh, uh, the the Senate is a place where we find a lot of our best leaders in student government. I All of us at this table have been senators at some point, um, and it's a really awesome body to get involved with, a great way to have an impact on campus. Um, but uh, it's also just a really great environment. Like the people in Senate are always some of the most dedicated and passionate people, you know, not just in student government, but on this campus. And uh, yeah, I think I'm really excited about uh, a lot of the things coming through. Really excited for the pumpkin smashing event. I mean, how could you not um, be? You know, it's a great way to, uh, you know, have a little bit of a cathartic release right before uh, finals. 
Um, and that's, that's the whole idea, but uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, so uh, like Jacob said, we've all been senators um, before, you know, Eddie's still being um, a graduate senator, but I was a residence hall senator um, last year, and so like coming into student government, I always had this big idea that this was an organization of change. People get involved in committees, whether it's Senate, in our executive branch, because they're passionate about Iowa State and they want to see change for the betterment for all students here. Um, and so I used to be involved with rules. That's kind of where I um, put my heart and soul. I know, Jacob, you were on rules <laughs> as well. And something I actually want to ask you. So Jacob, for those of you that don't know, used to be an LAS senator um, and was also once the Speaker of the Senate. So I suppose, what things are you seeing different now from when you were or Speaker of the Senate um, than maybe what's happening now? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really exciting, and uh, Eddie can probably comment on this, just having, you know, been involved, but many moons ago, I was I was uh, in, in Senate, uh, but uh, I think the environment is just shifting back to a lot more of a kind of pre-pandemic vibe. Uh, you know, student government, just like every other organization on this campus suffered a lot during the pandemic, just not being able to be in the same room with each other was really difficult. Um, and uh, so a lot of those kind of bonds that we had kind of broke down, and so I think uh, I know Eddie's been doing a lot and working with uh, Andrew, our vice speaker of the Senate, uh, to kind of rebuild that sense of community. And I know we actually uh, had just uh, relaunched our mentor program. Yeah. So um, we, in past years, we've always had the Senate mentorship program where basically we pair up a more senior senator, so you know somebody that was there last year basically, uh, with newer senators and you know get to know them do fun activities with them to kind of just like help build some of that sense of community that really is part of what makes student government so effective, I think. Um, but also just, you know, be a be somebody, be a resource, teach them about student government, teach them about the university and, you know, all the complicated bureaucracies that we have to navigate on a daily basis as part of our roles. But we, uh, we've noticed it's just, it's not been as effective as it could be in years past. And so um, we've been working on rebuilding that this past year um, we're going to be doing a lot of different things about that, but sort of just as a stopgap measure um, until we can kind of get everything rolling, because um, we're doing some um, doing some surveys and doing some like actual data collection to basically figure out like, okay, how can we measure the effectiveness of what we want to try to do? Um, we've just as a stopgap measure put in uh, just senior leaders across student government. So I know I think all three of us at this table are serving as mentors now for some of the newer members of student government, and just sort of cross-cutting rather than just having Senate have a mentorship program, just a student government mentorship kind of across the board. Because um, I think one of the things we're recognizing this year, or at least doing a better job, is that um, we've always been sort of siloed. Like there's the executive branch in its silo, there's the legislative branch in its silo, and there's judicial branch in its silo. And we just sort of put up artificial barriers between like directors and cabinet and senators, when in reality a lot of the cool projects that happen in student government are a director and a senator, for example, just going, hey, we're passionate about this thing together, let's get it done, let's work on it. And so I think a mentorship program can be a cool tool to help kind of effectively be like, we are student government, rather than I am a, you know, a member of the legislative branch and a senator. I think we, are, we should be student government first and just be like, yep, I'm a member of student government, and then worry about the details of being like, oh, I'm a senator. No, I think this new revamp of the mentorship program 
um, is a great way to kind of mesh all three of those branches together because I know uh, being on the executive side of things, we have all of our cabinet members come to at least one Senate meeting a month um, just to try and make sure they know what's going on in Senate. Um, but this is just another way to really make sure that everyone knows what's going on because everyone has different strengths, different passions. And so just because someone's in Senate handling something that you're passionate about, but I'm in the cabinet, um, doesn't mean you can't work on that. And so this is just another way to really break down those artificial barriers, like you said, and have everyone work on things together. Yeah, right. I mean, because for the most part, um, a lot of people in student government don't necessarily have a specific focus area. They might join, they will join like committees that they're focused in. Um, but for the most part, a lot of our, our positions are just like, you represent people. And so you get to kind of pick what you want to do with that. I think that's one of the most powerful part uh, pieces of being a senator. And one of the biggest things I try to impart on people is that like, this is very much a position you can make, make it be what you want it to be. Um, I know, you know, last year, one of my big focuses was on mental health, and I started a program to do mental health first aid training on campus, and I'm hoping that will kind of continue this year. I'm working with some senators on that. Um, but I was elected as a residence hall senator alongside mm -hmm. <laughs> Vice President Ulrich. I mean, we kind of just get to do with it what we want and do what we can and should do to, to represent people as best as we can. And so that's where I'm hoping the mentorship program can help build some of those, you know, relationships between uh, different people. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's just one of the really cool parts of uh, Senate and what kind of attracted me to it initially is because when I was first thinking about getting like running for something in student government or applying for a position, uh, one I uh, sat down with. Uh, you know, someone I knew in student government, and they were like, well, if, you know, if there's something that you really care about, like an issue area, and you want to tackle it, like, you can do it in Senate, but, you know, cabinet's also a great place to do that, because there's literally specific director positions that handle it, but if you, you know, know you want to have an impact, and you kind of want to touch on a bunch of different things, Senate's a really good place to go and get started, and, you know, in later years, you can always move on to a cabinet position, or you can move up in Senate and, like, chair a committee or something, um, and so, yeah, I mean, Senate has been was like a really big part of the reason that I love student government so much and felt like I could have an impact on uh, the campus was because there's just so many different ways you can kind of find your niche and work from there. Uh, and so I think, you know, us, we all got involved in student government in different ways. Uh, but, you know, like Eddie, you mentioned, there, there are a couple of open Senate seats right now. Um, how do people go about getting into Senate, you know, right now and, you know, looking to the spring and elections? So um, <clears throat> we, we do have a few open seats. Uh, I think the only ones we have open at the moment are um, College of Human Sciences, so if you're a member of College of Human Sciences, um, and then Vet Med and... Uh, LAS, uh, isn't it? No, we just filled the, uh, we're filling the LAS seat. Oh. So we, may, we actually only have two now that I think about it. Okay. It's just, the, just Vet Med and College of Human Sciences, which we love. We're almost at full strength. Um, but... To get involved, uh, a lot of times those, those um, openings will be listed on the website where you can like see you know, what Senate seats are, are full or not. But in the spring, uh, there'll be a mass email that goes out from our election commission basically saying run for student government. And there'll be a little form that you filled out. And you do have to come to an informational session. But you can basically just run. Um, anybody can run from any, uh, any student here can run to be a senator. Um, you'll pick a constituency that you want to run for and represent. Um, it's depending on how contested your 
residency or your constituency is that you're running for, it can be pretty easy or it can be difficult. We have to, to do some some campaigning to actually get you know the votes that you need to get in. Um, but a lot of times throughout the year, we do have vacancies as people you know graduate, as people you know move on to different things, or or just have to take a step back. And for that, um, the constituency council for that area will be the one to nominate. So for example, um, if you live in the residence halls and there was a residence hall opening, um, the Inner Residence Hall Association, which is kind of the organization that sits above a hall council, uh, is the one that will, will make a formal nomination. So usually if anybody's interested in you know, becoming a senator, getting involved, um, they can reach out to them, the, the constituency council that they maybe want to run for, or frankly, they can reach out to me. Um, I know a lot of the roles that are Senate seats that we've filled this year, you know, mid-year, have just been students reaching out to me or even uh, President Ludwig and just being like, hey, I would like to be a senator. And then they connect them with me and I, you know, kind of have our list and I can get people to the right place so that we can kind of move forward. I mean, we're always excited to have more people involved. And so I, I, I genuinely say during the year, um, probably some of the best people to reach out to are just us, you know, as senior leadership and just shoot us an email and be like, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to get involved. I'd love to be a part of this, whether it be an at-large seat and, you know, once a week or a full war Senate seat. Yeah, I think it's a big thing. Like at capacity, our organization is about 130 different members. And right now, even like granted, we only have two Senate seats open. Um, I think last time I counted, we're only in the low 70s of the amount of people that are involved with our organization. Um, and so we have several different committees um, that uh, student government have. And so there are a bunch of at-large positions still available. I know elections are coming up in the spring. Um, so yes, like Eddie said, if there are any questions, if you have um, you know, any ambitions to representing your college or residency area, it's never too early to reach out. Um, but thank you so much, Eddie, for coming on and talking about the Student Government Senate. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed my time here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. What's going on, everybody? Obviously, I am not Jacob or Jaden. Um, kind of lied to you in our last producer segment when I said that we didn't have a commercial. We actually do have a commercial for you guys. So Friday, December 2nd, which is the Friday right before Dead Week, we have Winterfest. Winterfest is a fun activity, a fun time for students to come out and uh, just have some fun with their friends doing some winter-like activities. So uh, yeah, various activities going on from 4 p.m. till about midnight. And uh, some of the various activities that I'm excited for, uh, cookie decorating and hot chocolate, because who doesn't love cookies and hot chocolate? Uh, the Jingle Jog Fun Run for all of my runners out there. Uh, the tree lighting ceremony. If you guys don't know, the big tree that is right across from Beer Cheer gets wrapped up, and uh, they have a lighting ceremony for that. Uh, that'll happen uh, the same night as Winterfest, so I would go out to that. I love taking pictures out there and seeing it whenever I walk to classes or just walk around at night with friends, so it's definitely a fun time. Um, then there's ice skating going on at the uh, Ames Ice Arena. So that's definitely a, a fun thing that you guys should definitely go out and check out. That goes from 9 p.m. to midnight. And then we also have a special guest who's coming to town, Jeanette McCurdy, who starred in uh, two Nickelodeon shows, Sam and Cat, as well as iCarly. And uh, my favorite thing that's going on at Winterfest, Santa's coming to town! Santa! That's right. You heard it straight from the source. So, but yeah. Winterfest is going to be a fun time, um, and I definitely recommend you guys going out and checking it out. Um, if you have any questions about anything that's happening with Winterfest, you can email them at winterfest at iState.edu. That is winterfest at iState.edu. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning into this commercial. And with that, we'll throw it back to Jacob and Jaden. Now back with us, I have Jacob as always and our special guest number two, Emily Roberts, currently serving as our student government chief of staff. Welcome, Emily. Hi, Jaden. How are you today? I am doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good for a Monday. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So, and actually, some big news in your life recently, Emily. You just were elected uh, president of CPC. I was, yes. I've been a member of the Collegiate Panel Council for a few years now and saw some areas for change, so I've decided to run for president. Well, yeah. congratulations. When does your term officially begin? Because I know there's some downtime there. I have until January to kind of get transitioned in. We just finished electing the rest of the team, so we're going to start our transitions, figure out what our goals are going to be for the next year. Perfect. Yeah, and that's one thing I love about uh, student government is that the people who are leading here are often leading in multiple other spaces. Uh, so it's always interesting to see where uh, where our members are and kind of what they're up to. So, but Emily, as you're our chief of staff, and so basically you oversee the cabinet on behalf of Jaden and myself. So uh, for our listeners, could you talk a little bit about what cabinet is, what they do, and then maybe what some of the kind of major positions are in the cabinet? So I think what's really unique about cabinet is that one, they're appointed positions. So president, vice president, once elected, they send out applications and they really search for people who have interest across the board. So cabinet's very specialized in the fact that each director has an area that they really focus their projects on, that they try to improve the student quality of life in. So for example, we have director of academic affairs. Obviously we're all going to class. So they really work with faculty and staff to make this a campus that everybody can be successful on. We have director of affordability. We all know college is not the cheapest. So we're gonna find the ways to help save those money, at least understand how you're spending your money, make those budgets. We also have a director of student services. That is everything across the board that has to do with student life that doesn't really have its own area. We have a director of health and wellness. College is a very difficult time. A lot of students leave home. Um, we've had a lot of mental health crisis lately. So our director of health and wellness really ensures that you have the resources and the support you need on this campus. Very nice. So I know one of those um, directors that you just touched on was the Director of Academic Affairs. I know they just had a recent success in kind of their wheelhouse. I didn't know if you could touch on. Yeah, so last year's Director of Academic Affairs began working with a committee on campus called Academic Standards to get rid of the drop limit policy. It was implemented back in the early 1900s to prevent students from dropping classes so that they didn't have to go to war. And, but nowadays, that's not really applicable. Students don't drop classes just to drop classes anymore. If you're dropping a class, mm -hmm. you have a very good reason to. And so you shouldn't be limited to only five classes. So it has finally made it out of committee. It's going to go in front of faculty senate. And hopefully for next academic year, it will be in effect where no student has a drop limit anymore. Yeah, so what's if I can just put a pause on that real quick. You say last year's ac director of academic affairs, and you mean yourself because last year you were a director of academic affairs. Yes, Jacob, <laughs> I do mean myself. <laughs> a little bit of modesty. Well, I'm glad you could hand off that baton on that project and really see it through. I think that's yeah. a common theme in student government is there's always that one like seed planter person for projects that take, you know, this project took two years, but I mean, being a project-based organization, we normally mm -hmm. tackle bigger projects, and so they do take multiple years. Um, but I know hopefully that'll change next um, academic year, but what's the current drop limit, again, for students? Current drop limit is five classes without extenuating circumstances. Okay, okay, well, very nice. Let's hope that students can drop six next <laughs> academic year. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a really awesome thing going uh, going on with our current director of academic affairs, uh, Anne Lent. Um, but uh, you know, you mentioned some other cabinet directors. I think uh, our, our director of sustainability has been up to a lot. Uh, what's going on there? So Blake has been really on the ball this year. He's got a lot of projects he's been working on. But I think a unique thing that he's doing is we have these multicultural town halls that our director of DEI often hosts. And Blake realized that there could be some benefit to hosting one for sustainability. So he's planning a green town hall for the spring. He's also been compiling resources into like a sustainability guide for students. Because it, oftentimes on campus, the hardest part is just finding the resources or understanding what you can use. And so Blake's trying to condense that into one book for students. And I know he works a lot with Mary Rankin, who is the officer for sustainability for the whole university. And so he has found a lot of benefit working with her. Her office really um, values the student engagement and kind of the student input on things. And so I think he's doing a great job of working with students in student motivated um, projects, but then also working a lot with the um, administration side of things and what the university as a whole is doing for sustainability. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, Blake has been doing a fantastic job. Uh, you know, we we came into the year with a lot of sustainability uh, parts in our platform, and so uh, we had a lot of ideas. We didn't necessarily have a lot of plans on how to, <laughs> you know, make it happen. We had some rough ideas, but Blake has really come in and turned those objectives into reality, uh, and so he's been doing a great job. Uh, but you know, another you know area where we had a lot of. Uh, points on our platform and big focus for us this year was um, uh, mental health and health and wellness on campus. And I know that our director of health and wellness has been doing a bunch this year. Um, what, are, what are some of the highlights that have been going on so far? Charlotte does a lot. There is no doubt about that. Uh, one thing that just wrapped up, these party smart tailgates, she worked with student wellness Thursday before home games. They've been giving out fanny packs, clear ones so that you can take them into the stadium. And really just making sure students are going to be safe on the weekend, acknowledging that students are going to tailgate, students are going to make choices across the board. And so really just giving students resources and helping them feel safe throughout game days. Additionally, um, a big one is the Menstrual Equity Project. This is definitely Charlotte's passion project, I would say. We have gender-neutral bathrooms across campus. It's a big change we've been working on for several, several years. Mm -hmm. And But the issue is none of them really have free menstrual products in it, so you still would need to go into a woman's restroom. So Charlotte's been working to acquire funding, and we're going to start with the Memorial Union. They just put five new gender-neutral bathrooms in the basement, and we're going to put the dispensers and the menstrual products in there so that students have access to those for free. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I know that... Uh, when this project started, I think uh, probably about two months ago now, um, we started having these conversations. There was, you know, like how can we, you know, use this as a pilot to kind of launch uh, to the rest of campus. You know, can we provide a model that you know start in the MU and then FPNM can kind of pick this up and go campus wide in a couple in a couple years? And I think so far, uh, you know, we just got I think the, all the funding is secured at this point. Um, it's looking really promising. And I think uh, all the partners that we've kind of linked up with so far have been really excited to engage with us. And I think a big thing with the menstrual equity project, um, with putting these dispensers in the gender neutral bathrooms in the Memorial Union, is they're even gonna do like a study and kind of quantify 
how often these um, dispensers are being used. And so we can kind of figure out like the Memorial Union is a central place for all students. These bathrooms are probably being frequented more so than other buildings. And so how can that data for usage and you know having to stock these um, dispensers, how can that be displayed to the rest of campus? And so I think that's also a big part of the success of this project is kind of doing that behind the scenes um, study of the dispensers as well. And so I suppose another position, Chris Meyer is our current director of student um, services. Love the guy. I know he's got some fun projects under his wing if you wanted to touch on one of those. Perfect, yeah. So one project that Chris and them are working on, it's a pretty usual student government project. We do a safety walk every year. He's been working with the student initiatives committee to get that off the ground. While we may do it every year, problems change, we get feedback from students. So every year we kind of reevaluate different areas of campus, see how accessible they are, check out the lighting, make sure students can feel safe walking to and from. So that's definitely a big one. His other one though that I would say is very intriguing is the food insecurity like cooking classes. So college students come to campus, they've never cooked for themselves before. So not only are they not eating healthily, they kind of just realize how expensive those groceries are starting to get. So he's working with people who are maybe not quite experts, but definitely more knowledgeable than we are to get some programming for students so that we can learn how do we make healthy meals on a budget. Mm -hmm. For sure, and I know, I mean, speaking from personal stories, I know pasta was a big hurdle for me. I'm still learning how to tackle rice. Uh, but like a big <laughs> thing there that I even know that shop our food um, pantry here on campus, um, something that they face is they can hand out all the free food that students want um, for use, but it's do the students know how to use it once they get it home. And so I know a big initiative they've been working on is like putting up recipes. If they have a bag of rice and it's like, here's some recipes about it and putting up QR codes and how to cook it, um, you know, so they can take it home and actually use it. And so I think this is gonna be a nice kind of dovetail program once it gets up and running um, for their initiatives as well. Mm -hmm. You know, building those, you know, you know, we're all here at college to learn about something, but there's also those kind of basic life skills that, you know, sometimes you just maybe didn't pick up along the way, you know, such as, you know, cooking. And so providing that sort of education, I think is gonna be a really valuable way that we can uh, impact student lives and give them the tools to succeed while they're here at Iowa State and beyond. Because, you know, knowing how to cook your own meals and knowing how to cook on a budget and, you know, meal prep and meal plan for, the, for your week uh, can be really valuable in terms of giving you uh, some, uh, you know, control over your life, you know, financially and uh, from a health perspective. And I mean, even tagging off of the health perspective and like the finances, like, I mean, you can go to Walmart and pick up a $3 microwavable meal. And I mean, that's all three minutes in the microwave and you're done. But when it boils down to it, I mean, if you're living in an apartment or in a house where you have these, you know, a stove and oven, when mm -hmm. you meal prep or like, you know, make these meals for yourself, you could make one meal for cheaper than what it would be if you bought five microwavable meals. It's gonna be fresh, you made it, it's gonna be healthier than those microwavable meals. And so, I mean, there's just so many different aspects to this cooking workshop um, that, you know, might not be thought about that can like really uh, compound and really help students out on campus. Yeah, any way to uh, cut down on the uh, number of times I visit a fast food place in a week? We won't get started <laughs> on that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, I think those are uh, some really awesome projects that Chris is working on. What are maybe some other things going on in the cabinet? I think a big area is DEI is huge on Iowa State's campus. Our director, DEI Mary, 
this is what she lives for. She loves DEI. She's done it for the Collegiate Panhellenic Council. She's pleased to be, get to do it for the entire student body. But I think one of the most interesting things that she's doing, and it's something that a lot of cabinet has the opportunity to do, and it's collaborating with like university administrators, faculty, staff. They're often an underutilized resource, especially for us. So she's been mm -hmm. meeting with college deans to understand what resources they offer, what programs they have, and kind of coordinate those across the board. I know Jacob and Jaden, you guys have been doing that with career services, but Mary's been really trying to get what college DEI programs have, what support do they have for students who maybe they're a first generation student. Maybe they come from a background where college just isn't usual and they're really struggling. So how are the colleges supporting them? And maybe where another college is lacking, another college has already found a solution for that. So I really appreciate Mary and the fact that she is trying to maybe not reinvent the wheel, but make sure that the wheel is accessible to everybody. Right. Yeah, no, I think that that's really important. I think that uh, I think we all know that there's a lot of challenges that uh, multicultural and you know BIPOC students on campus face uh, that you know maybe uh, uh, other students don't, and so uh, making sure that we coordinate those resources and making sure we're doing the best thing in all of the colleges uh, can be really critical uh, to uh, providing pathway for success. Yeah. So I know one committee I do want to touch on quick that is actually responsible for this whole thing is we have our um, senior director of communications, we have our director of marketing, and our director of outreach all working on these types of things. That is the team that's responsible for this podcast, but I know there's another project that's under their wing right now as well. Yes, the PR team is very interesting in the fact that they are really here just to, one, expose student government to the students, make sure the students know who we are, but also really just give the students a pleasant experience on campus. So one huge thing that they're going to kind of wrap up the semester with is they're making goodie bags. We're going to be handing them out in the Memorial Union completely free just during finals week, during prep week. We really want to make sure that students know that we understand how difficult a time is and that we wish them the best of luck, that we're going to support them through those last two weeks, and that student government is here for them. I think that's a fun project just because it's a big thing in the residence halls for prep week treats, but once you move out of those residence halls, it's kind of a, you know, a prep week tradition that kind of gets lost. And so I think it's a fun thing that we are doing this as student government for all students to give that little boost because I know, especially during prep week, tests, papers, a granola bar can make a difference. Every little bit helps. Uh, you know, I, I don't think any of us at this table are looking forward to finals. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, any, anything to get us over the finish line. Um, so I really love that uh, PR is working on that. Um, but I think just to kind of round us out here, uh, you know, a lot of awesome projects going on in cabinet. And I think, you know, one of the things that you really highlighted here is just that like every cabinet position has its own um, area of focus and, you know, can have two or three different pretty sizable projects going on at any given time. Um, so, you know, if, if someone is looking to, you know, maybe get engaged in cabinet, I know that we have some open positions right now, if you want to touch on that, but then also looking forward to next year, what's that process look like uh, for people who might want to get engaged? Yeah, if you want to jump right in right now, we definitely have some open positions. Director of Affordability and Director of International Student Services will be open. We are very much looking for people. So if you're really passionate about that, that's really the big qualifying factor. Do you have a passion in this area that not only we could see, but if we sent you to talk to university administrators that they're going to see. However, if maybe you're interested in a full position currently or you just need a little more time, cabinet applications open every spring, usually at the end of March, early April. It's a pretty simple process. President, vice president, 
create this application, just kind of asking questions about what they're looking for in cabinet. And then you apply, go through an interview, and then you go up for confirmation in front of Senate at the end. And you just give a speech about why you want this role, what your goals are for it, and why you would be the best choice for the student body. All right, well, be on the lookout for that. Remember, Director of Affordability and Director of International Student Experience is currently um, on the table. So if you're interested in that, feel free to email us at stateofthings@iastate.edu. Um, and those applications will also be up on the student government website. Uh, so I uh, really encourage you to apply if you're interested. Yeah, but thank you so much, Emily, for taking some time out of your day to come talk about the executive branch of student government. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, so that those were some awesome conversations with uh, Eddie, our Speaker of the Senate, and Emily, our Chief of Staff. You know, I think, uh, you know, every week we try to talk about the big things that are going on in student government, and a lot of that's the stuff that you and I are up to. But I think it was really good to check in with the Senate and with the Cabinet and talk about all the other projects that are going on, because there is just so much going on in student government at any given time. You know, there's 30 senators, you know, uh, I think 16 uh, cabinet, uh, cabinet members. So just a lot going on in student government. There's so many projects all the time. Uh, I feel like sometimes there's things that have been going on for a while, uh, you know, maybe months, and then I'll just find out about them. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's just another project that's going on, another way that we're trying to, you know, empower students on this campus. Uh, but yeah, really great conversation today. I do want to throw it back to our producers in the back box that make this whole podcast possible. We have Sundar, our production manager, does a great job of making sure all of our ducks are in a row. We have Maddie, our senior editor. She's the one that makes our voices sound so beautiful <laughs> when you guys are listening. And we have Ethan, our technical director, making sure that the technology is actually working. And so we want to thank them and thank all of you for listening to this episode of The, the State, State of Things. things.